welcome to this episode of Want to Hear Something Interesting, a podcast where your hosts Scott Ahern and Chad Knight discuss a topic using research and personal opinion. The topics will be wide and varied, but approached with the researcher's eye. Will everything we say be 100% accurate? Probably not, but we are striving to be as accurate as we can be. Every month on the 1st, a new topic will come your way. Occasionally, though not usually, there may be some language of the adult variety. Listener, be warned. Now, here are your hosts, Scott and Chad. Hello from Evercon 2018. By the time you hear this, our wonderful little convention in Wausau will be over, but we are recording live here on the third and final day, which has allowed us to bring in a special guest panelist to want to hear something interesting. Welcome Evercon special guest artist, Samantha Garrell. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you for coming. So today, as I said, we bring you episode 13. Since this is our February episode, we've decided to talk about love, and specifically geeks, gamers, those they love, and those who love them. Our other special guest is none other than the one and only Nikki Knight, wife of my co-host, Chad Knight. Welcome, Nikki. Hello. So, Chad, knowing you as well as I do, I'm guessing you've prepared... A timeline of some kind. I, I I have, but, you know, funny you should say that, because last month, I did not do a timeline. This is true. What did you do last month instead? I did a, a grouping of information on calendars done in the, uh, you know, the historical significance from time to... Wait, I did do a timeline, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> well, damn it. Okay. Simply arranging things in chronological order and saying there's something else does not change the fact that it was a timeline. Okay, fair enough. So we are talking love. And who better to talk about than St. Valentine and, of course, St. Valentine's Day. Which would be the, when? Which would be when? February 14th. Okay, good. I need to remember that. Otherwise, my wife is going to be really <laughs> irritated. So where... where what I'm doing with the timeline this month is I have actually taken two timelines and mushed them together. So I took the life of St. Valentine, and I have taken the history of Valentine's Day and mushed them together. So as I read through this, some of it will sound very much um, religious, okay, and some of it will sound very much secular. So let's just jump in here. So B.C. 3500. A clay tablet from the Sumerian era is believed to contain the oldest love poem that has survived to this day. The Sumerians are credited for being the inventors of written language. So they invented written language and they started to try to pick up girls with poems. Okay. How'd it work for them? (laughs) Well, I don't know. The Sumerians are gone. Okay. So probably not that well. So and we're going to take a big jump now to A.D. 197. Bishop Valentine, hailing from Interamna, gains his title. He was also martyred for his faith, a victim of Emperor Aurelian's persecution. He is also buried in the Via Flamia. So St. Valentine's birth, the one that gets the credit for, you know, Cupid and all the other things. Wait a was, minute, this isn't the guy running around with the bow and arrow, is he? No, no, no. Okay. So St. Valentine was born either on February 14th or February 15th, 220. They're not exactly sure because, let's be honest, records then, sketch. Kind of spotty. Yep. Yep. So within this time, though, from, from the time he was born, he was born a Christian. He decided to keep his faith 
And that's a big decision because it shows he is fully opening himself to God and allowing God to fully, fully into his life. So when asked about his influences, he was influenced by a few different people. He was influenced by God, obviously. God influenced St. Valentine by showing him the right way to do things. He also showed the way he should live life and that he should live by the commandments. So pretty standard stuff for, uh, for a, uh, a man of God. He was also influenced by the love of the people he married. So the people he married showed him the love and determination that should that he should have. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's living by the commandments, but he's marrying all these people. Isn't right. there something about bigamy and all of that? No, no, he's not marrying them physically. He's marrying couples. Oh, he's performing the Marriages. marriage ceremony. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it also showed him that true love comes in many different forms and cases. So... Between 267 and 268 uh, CE, he married people, and, and this was against the laws of Rome at the time. So St. Valentine was a priest near Rome in about the year 270 AD. Claudius began calling men to go into battle with him. Many of them were unwilling to go because they were either married, had families, or did not wish to leave their sweethearts. And the emperor soon became angry when he saw the number of soldiers were too few. So he ordered no marriages should be celebrated, and all engagements must be broken off immediately. Nice guy. Yeah. So Definitely Saint, not a, a hallmark and florist kind of guy. No, not at all. So St. Valentine heard of the emperor's command and felt it was, wrong, was a wrong command. So when a young couple came to the church, he secretly united them in Christian marriage. It wasn't long before the word spread, and others came and were quietly married. Valentine soon gained a reputation as a friend of lovers and sweethearts in every district of Rome. But soon enough, the emperor heard about it, threw him in prison. About that same era, uh, while in prison, one of the guards, a man by the name of Asterius, was a good man who had adopted a blind girl many years earlier when she was just a little child, and he asked Valentine if his god could help his daughter. Valentine prayed for her, and God healed the girl and restored her sight. Because of that, the guard and his whole family, all his relatives that were living in that area, so 46 people it says here, believed in Christ and were baptized. So these were people, because we're talking about 3rd century common era, Rome, Italy. Yep. Uh, this is still an era where the Roman gods, Jupiter, Juno, Mars, etc., would still have been worshipped. Absolutely, yes. And so... And as we know, we've talked about this in other episodes, in order to become a saint, you have to perform miracles. Yes. So this would be one of the miracles attributed to St. Valentine. And oddly enough, it's one that's attributed while he's still alive. Yes. Yeah, which is, it happens, it happens occasionally. Uh, happened with uh, St. Uh, John Paul II. Um, two of his three needed miracles supposedly happened while he was still alive. So um, in 269, St. Valentine falls in love. History tells us that while Valentine was waiting for his own execution, he fell in love with the jailer's daughter and that had been healed. But being in prison, he was unable to spend much time with her or pursue a normal relationship. So just before he was let out to his execution, he managed to write one last note to her. A farewell message, and he signed it, From Your Valentine. Which is where we get the tradition of signing our Valentine notes that way. He still managed between 240 and 270 while he was in prison. He uh, made... Uh, covenants to the prison so this shows that he still believed and still wanted others to join the faith and believe in God so he made converts 
and kept preaching while in jail. So it's important because it shows his determination and love for God. It also shows that he never lost hope and still believed in the word of God. And then in 269, the Valentines, early Christians who were martyred for their faith, honored on February 14, are Valentine of Rome and Valentine of Terni. Valentine of Rome, who was a priest in Rome, was martyred on this date and was buried in the Via Flaminia. So this is not the Valentine we're talking about, but these are other Valentines that sometimes get the credit for being the inspiration for Valentine's Day. So in AD 270, in defiance of the laws set forth by the Roman Emperor, Catholic priest St. Valentine helped Catholics to escape persecution and assisted them in performance of Catholic sacraments such as marriage. He was martyred for his faith in Africa, and his head is preserved in New Minster, Winchester, in the Abbey. Ew. That's a little creepy. Anyway, he was venerated after his death and is recognized as the recognized Catholic saint. Legends state that he was personally interrogated by Emperor Claudius II, who tried in vain to get him to convert to Roman paganism, and that St. Valentine performed a miracle by giving a blind girl her sight, leading many Romans to convert to Christianity in secret. He is rumored to have cut out hearts from parchment to give to Roman soldiers and Christians who faced persecution as a reminder of their faith, which is perhaps the origin of the Valentine's Day tradition of using hearts as a symbol for the day. Furthermore, he may have authored the first Valentine's Day card addressed to a young girl whose sight he restored and signed your Valentine. So that's where we get to the end of the life of St. Valentine. Okay. Now we're going to switch over and talk more about the tradition of Valentine's Day and how it came to be. So in AD or CE 496, Pope Galatius I established February 14th as the day when the Feast of St. Valentine occurs. Because that was one of the days associated with the birth of Valentine. Well, with the birth and the death. They actually say he died either on the 14th or 15th of February as well in 270. So... So then we jump to 1382 CE. Geoffrey Chaucer, who wrote a poem that is said to contain the first reference to romantic love, is connected with Valentine's Day, entitled Parliament of Fools. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. In the well, poem, you know who Chaucer is. Oh, I know who Chaucer is, yes. yes. He wrote the Canterbury Tales. Right, which are actually, uh, what, 14th century porn? In a um, lot of cases, well, some of the tales. Yeah, some of the tales are, are considered body by the day's <laughs> standard. So in this poem, however, Chaucer makes reference to birds pairing off and finding their mates. It is believed by many that Chaucer was refer- referencing February 14th as Valentine's Day, although some historians still be- debate the issue, referencing the fact that February may be too cold a month for birds to begin mating, especially in the UK, Yes, which is where Chaucer is from. So... Uh, 1400 CE, French Princess Isabel of Bavaria may have formally established a High Court of Love. On January 6th, documents point to the Charter of the Court of Love as the document that makes the beginning of its existence. Whether the court was just an imaginative creation of the princess or an actual court that settled disputes of the heart such as contracts of love. Settling perceived or alleged betrayals and violent acts committed against women is not known for certain. We jump to 1415 CE, and Charles, Duke of Orleans, wrote a rondeau, which is a form of a a poem, to his wife while he was a prisoner of war, being held in the Tower of London. After he was captured during the Battle of... Agincourt. Agincourt, yeah. I could have said that. Okay. Okay. 
1477, May Marjorie Bruce wrote a letter to her husband-to-be, John Paston, and refers to him as my right well-beloved Valentine. These letters are believed to be the first Valentines written in English. 1600 CE. In playwright William Shakespeare's famed play Hamlet, the characters of Ophelia sadly refers to Valentine's Day and tells her husband Hamlet how she wishes to be his Valentine. This, I don't know Hamlet that well. I know you're a Shakespeare guy. Mm-hmm. Is there more references to Valentine in that? Or is um, that just like something that just kind of is... It, it's just something that popped up. The, the tragic element of Ophelia from Hamlet is that... Um, young Prince Hamlet and Ophelia, the daughter of the essentially the Prime Minister, grow up together and it's always assumed that they're going to be betrothed. When Hamlet returns from school upon the murder of his father, he pretends to be insane. Scholars debate whether or not he actually went insane, but one of the things he did was he drove Ophelia insane to the point where she uh, drowns in the river. And there's debate within the play as to whether she commits suicide or if she is so mentally deranged by what Hamlet is doing to her that she simply goes for a swim in all her formal court clothing and heavy dresses and whatnot and simply drowns because the weight of the water-soaked clothing drags her under the water and she's unable to swim back to safety. Wow, so another very happy uh, Shakespearean play. Yes, (laughs) <laughs> There's a reason they call it the Tragedy of Hamlet, Prince of Denmark. There you go. So, 1590 CE, The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer contains the first reference to the phrase, Roses are red, violets are blue. That is still widely used on Valentine's to this day. Yes, and by aspiring poets in elementary and middle schools, because you only need to come up with two more lines and find a rhyme for the word blue. Good point, good point. 1700 CE, Americans begin to exchange handwritten and handmade valentines during the 18th century. These sentiments were sent to lovers and to friends, oftentimes delivered by hand, but sometimes delivered via the Postal Service, the first of which was created in the United States in 1692. And of course, by that, they mean the Postal Service, not the valentine. 1784 CE, Grammar Girton's Garland was published. It contains a well-known Valentine's Day poem that's still echoed by many to this day, containing the words... Roses are red, violets are blue. Sugar is sweet, and so are you. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you, honey. Uh-huh. <laughs> 1797 CE, The Young Man's Valentine Writer was published. It was a guide to be used by young men who were not so creative or, quote-unquote, wordy, and needed a bit of help coming up with verses to write their beloveds on Valentine's Day. During this time period, many people began the custom of mailing their valentines rather than delivering them in person. The first secret admirer valentines began to be sent as a result, which led valentines to begin to be more racy than they had ever been before, due perhaps to the new ability to send them anonymously. So 1847 CE, the first valentines to be commercially available for sale were created by an American woman named Esther Howland. Hailing from Worcester, Worcester. Worcester. Well, if you're going to pronounce it like you're from there, it's Worcester. Okay, but I'm not from there. Yes, but I was from around there. I know. So, hailing from Worcester, Massachusetts, as her idea gained popularity, she went into business, naming her popular service the New England Valentine Company. Could you imagine somebody now trying to do an entire business based on just one holiday? I mean, all the card companies now do them all. Right. So... 
Including making up a few. Sweetheart's Day, um, mm-hmm. our sweetest day or whatever the hell it's called. Sweetest day, yep. Um, Otherwise known as, we don't have any reason in September to buy lots of cards, flowers, and candy. Day. Right. So, 1960 uh, CE, Sweden established February 14th as All Hearts Day, also known as Allah Hajartan's Dog, and I probably killed that because I don't speak Swedish, as the country began to have a larger American influence. Although it is still not a legally recognized holiday in the country, the flower industry and cosmetic industries of the country have many sales for the day, exceeded only by their sales for Mother's Day. So 1980, the jewelry industry begins to capitalize on the tradition of giving gifts to lovers on Valentine's Day and begins to market diamonds as the gift of the discerning gentleman to his lady on Valentine's Day. And then, of course, 2000, as the Internet became more widely used, digital Valentine's gained popularity and e-card Valentine's began to be sent in addition to or in lieu of sending paper Valentine's Day cards to lovers, friends, and other loved ones. Primarily by guys who forgot Valentine's Day was coming and needed to be able to send it instantly rather than waiting for the couple of days for the post office. Right. All right, so that's what I have for a timeline. Like Mm -hmm. we said, we wanted to keep this one relatively short, and uh, we want to talk more to our guests. So why don't you take over here, and we'll see where this heads. Okay. But if I take over, then the guests aren't going to get a chance to talk. Or do you mean I should talk to them? Yes. Okay. That makes a little more sense. So. Sounds about right. Welcome. Hello. So, um, as I mentioned at the beginning, our two guest panelists are Samantha and Nikki. Now, Samantha, uh, we've had a chance to talk to you over the weekend here at Evercon, and you mentioned on a couple of occasions that you are engaged. Congratulations. Thank you. So... Um, Why don't you give our listeners a little background on the type of art you do and how you got into it, and then we can uh, talk about what your fiancé does. Um, I do anime art professionally. Um, I started drawing in middle school and just kind of never stopped. I was professionally published by the time I was a sophomore in college. So um, I've been doing Manga the Mega Guide, which is my tutorial book from Search Press, uh, it's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you can buy a book, you can buy my book. Uh, and I, I do prints and artist alley stuff uh, to support myself full time. All right. And what about your fiancé? What does he do? Um, he is currently going to grad school for a PhD in nuclear engineering. Okay. So kind of the similar lines of work, art, art <laughs> nuclear physics, atomic energy. <laughs> However, you did mention... Um, in a previous podcast that both of you are avid gamers. Yes. Okay. What types? Um, I play more like um, Japanese RPGs, and he, t- he tends to play like the big like shooters and MMOs, like that kind of thing. Okay. How did you meet? Um, we are actually high school sweethearts. We went on a trip that was researching um, black bears in the White Mountains of the yeah the White Mountain Range of uh, Arizona. And we actually got caught in what's called now the Wall of Fire, which is currently one of the biggest fires that is actually, I think it's the biggest fire that has ever gone through Arizona. Um, so we actually ended up, instead of doing research studies, we actually ended up on a four-day camping trip running away from the fire um, and attempting to do research as we went. Um, and we met on that, and it was it was very interesting because it was, it was definitely scary. So I think we were uh, eight miles from the from the flames at some point. We went like right up to the barrier. Um, 
And but we met on that. We just kind of clicked, even when everything else was going kind of crazy. Um, and we we were he proposed on our sixth anniversary. Okay, that's sweet. So if he's pursuing a, a PhD in, in that high-end science, does he have any artistic bent other than his gaming? Um, well, Michael actually produced a children's book when he was a kid. Um, this book, The Student from Zombie Island, is, I believe, still currently available in some places. Um, so he actually started more in like the writing creative field, um, and then I think it was around middle school and high school that he turned more into like the math engineering direction. Um, so he doesn't really do like much artistic stuff at all, um, but he, he does understand where I'm coming from with the creativity. And he's, he's a very creative person in himself. Um, he's just using it in a math direction. All right. So you said that you're more into the um, anime-based RPGs, things like that. He's more into the technology-based games, computer games, MMOs, things like that. Mm -hmm. Have you ever tried to convince each other to come over to your side of the fence? Well, there's a couple that kind of crisscross um, games like Skyrim, which are like MMOs, but they're like they can be MMOs, but more. And the audience goes wild. Yeah. <laughs> Where they're like both an RPG and an open world experience, and kind of like the one person like one person shooter kind of setup. Um, he still he'll enjoys that. We both enjoy Fallout, um, Bethesda games in general, um, because they they do have the RPG feel, and you can do whatever you want. But they also tend to do like first-person shooters and stuff like that. So we we have a crossover. Um, there's a few games that like we've kind of he's he's trying to convince me to play like um, more more of things like Overwatch and League of Legends because they're a little bit more on the Japanese side. Um, he's not really a fan of much of my games. I play games like Stardew Valley, Harvest Moon, Animal Crossing, like really like cutesy things, um, and that's not really his thing at all. So he's not gonna play those. In fact, he makes fun of me for them, but um, he thinks they're cute. So. All right. Now, when did you start playing games? Very young. <laughs> like, um, uh, my dad got me, I think it was like the Super Nintendo NES kind of stuff from uh, Garage Tales when I was little, so like before middle school kind of thing. Okay, and um, what about Michael? Mm -hmm. Is it? All right. um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine around middle school or before middle school for him as well. Um, but like he's been playing as long as I've, I've known him. So. Okay, so it'd probably be fair to say that his interest in gaming predated meeting you. Yes. So you, you were both gamers at the time you met. Yes. And okay. Gamers for multiple years before we met. And he, he's <coughs> probably more into it than I am, if I had to say so. All right. So uh, actually, I actually find that interesting because as our regular listeners know, I'm a high school teacher, and I'm the advisor for my high school's gaming club. And I actually sat down with some of my gaming club members and asked them some of these same questions. And I have, there's actually um, two sets of couples in the gaming club that wanted to talk a lot about this. Oh, really? So um, one of the couples, um, they're uh, both college freshmen now. Um, the uh, young man in the relationship was from a very young age, very hardcore gamer, and predominantly... No, define gamer. I mean, are we talking video gamer, role player? Yes, we're all gamers, but there is a difference in personalities of people that play different types of games. There is, and that was one of the things that I talked to them about. Okay. So, in this case, the young man is almost exclusively an RPG gamer. Tabletop RPG. 
he has um, diversified slightly into um, board games and card games, but they tend to be more along the lines of those board game and card games that have a stronger RPG element to them. Okay. And his girlfriend had never played before they started dating. Anything. Anything. Apart from, like, Crazy Eights and regular right, uh, right. standard deck of cards games. Okay. So, and she started to pick up on it because it was something that he was really interested in. And they didn't meet until high school. So she's in her mid-teens before any of this comes around. And they're now at the point where if you ask the two of them, they would probably agree that she is the more involved gamer than he is. Okay. So to the point that when Adventurers League came out, she was the first one of the two to become a judge and start running tournament events. <laughs> which is which is kind of backwards when you look at most relationships. Uh, you know, usually it's the guy who's more into the gaming aspects, and the girl will kind of follow suit. You know, if she can find something that he does that she can also get into. And I mean, this is kind of personal experience because when I met my wife, and she can attest to this, she had played Monopoly and cribbage and that kind of stuff you know the basic the the good old games the homespun stuff but she had no idea what i did okay now in, what did he in, get wrong <laughs> in, in my defense he actually didn't start playing games until he was in college and we had already known each other for several years by then that's not true as far as i knew it was i i wasn't a role player before then right but I did play, like, the homespun games, the Monopolies and the cards. Well, and the so stuff. did I. Right. But it, was, but it, it wasn't, wasn't something that we did together. Right. And we tended not... You weren't really into gaming until after... No, I, I, was, already, I was already in college for a year. You went to college and developed a whole group of friends that all they did was role play. Well, no, because in high school, I was just more interested in making out with you. Than playing games. Well, you know, I am that cute. <laughs> you are, you are. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, I'm not allowed to say anything on that matter. <laughs> I'm married, and my wife is a good friend of hers. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so that, that that's me. What about you? I know your wife is not much of a gamer. That is somewhat of an understatement. Um, <clears throat> with, with the whole um, opposites attract, um, yes. I, Scott's I too, the winner! Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so I, I too didn't get involved with gaming until college. Um, my wife and I are coming up on, let's see, end of February will be 22 years together. Um, not all 22 years married, but um, and in that space of time, uh, my wife has played a couple of board games. Uh, she's played Cards Against Humanity. And she has uh, repeatedly and loudly informed me that she does not like nor approve nor really want me to spend a whole lot of time on any of these RPGs. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually invited her to be on this podcast to present her side of the argument and she declined because we were going to be talking about gaming. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yes. enough. So, the other couple 
of my students that I talk to are actually a little more in line with uh, Samantha and Michael. Um, they met um, in high school through, um, actually through mutual friends. And both of them had been um, board game and computer game players before meeting. And oddly enough, both of them were afraid that the other person wouldn't understand how much they liked the board games and computer games. So they were together for over a year before they let the other person know that this was part of their lives. And then when they discovered that both of them really loved it, it just went gangbusters from there. Fair enough. So. That's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> so, all right. So you've had the opportunity, Nikki, to kind of defend yourself against what Chad was saying. What is, well, let's start off with what kind of games do you enjoy when you have these spare moments? <laughs> I actually enjoy playing board games. Uh, it turns out I'm a really horrible RPGer, mostly because I do not have the patience. Um, and for the same reason, I am also really bad at playing the really long board games. Um, I can manage, like, rails much longer than, like, an hour or two, and I am completely bored, and I'm, like, crocheting and driving Chad insane. So, <laughs> um, but I like playing uh, fast, easy card games, fast, easy um, uh, board games. I actually really like train games and that kind of thing, which surprises the heck out of me because when I first started playing, really did not think I was going to, to enjoy them just because long and a lot more thinking than I usually like to do. By the time I get some free time, I don't want to have to think anymore. <laughs> so, but uh, turns out if you own a shop and you play train games almost every day for a couple of years... Eventually, you learn to like it. <laughs> or hate it. I mean, or hate it. There, was a, there was a period right after after we closed the shop that I didn't want to play train games. I didn't want to play True. games in general other than role-playing. I just was done with board games, you know. <laughs> but I have gotten over that at this point, and I don't mind playing board games at this point. So. Yep. In fact, if anybody wants to meet me when we're done with this podcast, I would love to play a game of Rails. <laughs> <laughs> It's always an option. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. Um, let's throw it back over to Samantha. When, now, granted, Michael is busy with his studies. You're busy on the convention circuit. I think you mentioned um, that this past summer you pretty much spent three months straight on the road. When you're, well, let's, let's start with you. When you're that busy and... You've got all that going on in your life. What games do you find time to play, or do you? Do you have any favorite ones that you bring with you to kind of give you that almost that touchstone back to the relationship or things that make it easier for you to relax and de-stress? 
Um, yeah, well, the horrid part is three months on the road for the convention circuit is actually really, really short and really, really tiny, so people are going to make fun of me for being stressed out by just that. Um, <laughs> but that was a little too much for me. I'm, I'm a homebody. Um, and the wonderful part about being a digital, primarily digital artist, is that my computer is always with me. <laughs> of course, I'm a terrible person when I get stressed out, and a lot of times I can't draw. I, just, I can't produce anything, so yeah, I play a lot of video games when I'm in an art block. Um, just because I'm like, yeah, I can't, I tried to draw like three times a day, I've been trying to this for like two hours, I guess I'll play Skyrim, um, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, a lot of times we'll do that. Um, Michael was actually the one who got me into Minecraft, he was part of like the whole, I think he was even back to alpha and beta, he definitely beta, I think he might have been back to alpha when he started as well. Um, so he got me into that, and then of course we'll, we'll play that together a lot of times. Um, and it's really helpful because um, MMOs and like multiplayer games in particular, you can both be on head headsets and you know be across the country, and I can still you know play play games with my friends and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's it's really nice to be able to use that as a, as a distraction, even though I probably should be doing other things. <laughs> well, if, if it keeps you sane, you do what you got to do. So that that's nice that you're actually able to stay connected, not, not just with Michael, but as you said, your other friends through the game yes. when you are when you can't be home like you'd like to be. Mm -hmm. Right, but the thing about that that I find to be interesting is, yes, you get to spend time, and, and but you don't really get to sit and talk with Michael because you're on the headsets, you're playing the game, you're blowing shit up. I you mean, know. I'll call him for that. What's that? Then I'll call him. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I was just, I mean, that's always been my thing is people are like, I have lots of friends. I play online games, and I'm like, but you're yelling, you know, get down, and who, who shot me, and, you know, stuff like that. So that's always been kind of my question about those kind of things is, and it sounds like with you guys, it's fine. You'll, you'll call them, you'll talk to them, whatever. But <laughs> that, that's always been my thing is people are like, I have tons of friends. I'm like, you haven't been out of your house in three months. <laughs> Can, can you tell we're not uh, MMO players? <laughs> Mostly because they make me sick. Yeah. <laughs> I have tried. I, I bought an Xbox One because I wanted to play Assassin's Creed because I saw it on TV and I was, it was so amazing looking. And it was on the game as well, but I could play for like 20 minutes and then I'm sitting there trying not to lose my lunch because I'm just dizzy. You should try another game other than Assassin's Creed then because Assassin's Creed is like the pinnacle of being busy. It's all about... Well, like, I've, I've, tried about, several, like, I've tried different building, ones. Building, running, and jumping. And the um, cameras are not so in Assassin's Creed. So, like, that's that's a bad choice if they make you dizzy. <laughs> I also played um, Gotham Horror... Uh, Gotham... I forget which one it was, but... Um, chasing the Joker around. And it, they're, all those first-person games kind of make me that way. Third-person, I can play a little bit longer, but it still it ends up being the same thing, so... I'm a big fan of Snipes. Which I haven't gotten to play in 20 years because I no longer have a DOS computer. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, actually, one of the first computer-based games I remember playing was called Rogue. And it was so old that the monsters in the dungeon were represented by the letter that they started with. So when you were fighting a bat, it was this capital B moving across the screen. See, yeah, and that was the awesome thing about Snipes. It, it was a zero that had an arrow, and it had to find its way through a maze. So the entire thing was zeros and lines. <laughs> that was as exciting as it got. Man, that's as bad as back in the day when we used to play on the computer where you'd be like, 
You'd have to type. It was um, a mud, I think they called them, oh, a multi-user yeah. uh, uh, dungeon. Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, go north. And it'd say, you moved, you know, 10 feet in the dungeon. Go north. You've moved north 10 feet. <laughs> and if you didn't remember, I mean, I remember having sheets of scratch paper where you're like, yeah, okay, I was going north, I'm going north. Because if you, had a, you ended up at a dead end and you didn't know how to get back to where you started, you were done. Yep. I had one game like that. I never, I'll see, the first thing you had to do was get into this castle. I never figured out how to get into the castle. So I ended up wasting like $30 on this computer game that I could never get past the very first step. <laughs> I did that with the very first computer, Baldur's Gate. We got to this town and he had to fight some stupid chickens. And I could never beat the chickens. It's chickens! That's what Fireball is for, because you beat them and then you eat them because it's fried chicken. BFC, Baldur fried, <laughs> fried chicken. chicken. Yep. <laughs> so no, actually, one of the the games kind of like that was um, for the Apple Two C, the old Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy test ba text based game. Oh, oh that would have been interesting. <laughs> it it was because you st it, the game starts in the hold of the Vogon destructor ship. Oh, so nice. it's in the darkness. You have to find the light switch. Oh, God. So you're, you're typing in to move around the room, feeling the, the wall. wall. And then you have to find the vending machine that has the Babelfish. Nice. <laughs> nice. All right. So I guess to the girls, what? how did you react when you found out? Well, it sounds like you've known Michael forever. Yeah. And I've actually, Nikki and I were high school sweethearts too, so... It was one of those things, but when you found out, well, I guess let's throw this one to Nikki first. When you found out that I was becoming this gamer, how did that did that affect the relationship on your end at any in any way, or why'd you still put up with him? Right. I well, it, honestly, it confused me at the beginning because after a while, because <laughs> I didn't really understand it, and then when I uh, well, let me tell this story. So one day, Chad's gaming group didn't have a place to game. Oh, God. And so I invited them over to my parents' house. So they're sitting around the kitchen table, and our friend Brian was being the dungeon master. And Brian is extremely creative. He's very, very good at being a dungeon master. And but he's I'm also extremely him, loud, and he's very And he's very, very loud, detailed. and my husband is also very loud, and so what? was the rest of the gaming group. And so I wander from, I was, had been sitting and listening to him in the kitchen and I got bored. So I wandered into the living room, which was kind of around a corner. And my mom looks at me and goes, who is that kid that's running the game? I said, oh, that's Brian. And she goes, I really hope he uses that mind of his for good and not evil. Because he could be really dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then, you know, then you have to tell the story about your mother and the whole gaming before we did that time there and the fact that oh, I would go yes. gaming every yes. weekend. Um, in my mom, my mom grew up in the Green Bay area, which has several uh, casinos. And so to her, gaming was um, going to the casino. So we're talking about gaming, and by this time we're engaged. And she's like, wait, you're still letting him go gaming? I'm going, okay, well, this is, you know, a pretty cheap hobby, relatively speaking, once you've got the books. 
or once you've got the stuff you need. And she's looking at me like I've lost my mind. It takes me several minutes to figure out that she's talking about going to the casino and, you know, losing all of his money every week. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then which, which, speaking of that story, actually reminds me of another story from somebody I work with. That was the one I was just going to bring up. I'm like, you got to tell that story, too, because... That's right. So, um, I work at an insurance company, and I am... Definitely not the oldest person at my insurance company, especially back when I started about 15 years ago. And I was talking to one person. I said something about my husband was going role-playing that night. She got a very confused look on her face and said, so who does he role-play with? I said, oh, there's a, he's got a bunch of, there's a bunch of guys they role-plays with. She could, looks more confused, and she's like, so do they dress up? And by this point, I'm like, okay, she's thinking LARPing, so, or live-action role-playing. And I'm like, oh, no, they, they don't do that very often. They sit around a table and uh, role-play that way. takes me a good five minutes to th- realize that she's thinking about a whole different kind of role-play. <laughs> it wasn't until I finally explained it was Dungeons & Dragons, or I think they played Middle Earth role-playing at that time. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. I thought you meant stuff you needed toys for. I'm like, no. <laughs> if, by toys, if by toys you mean miniatures, then yes. <laughs> well, but you guys didn't even play with miniatures then. No, not really. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it was... Uh, so a lot of my life as a grown-up has been spent explaining to people what exactly role-playing is, and now I am much more distinct about it. He plays Dungeons and Dragons type games. Because everybody has at least a clue of what Dungeons and Dragons is. I no longer call it role-playing to somebody I don't know well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Actually, um, I have a story not about that last bit, but your previous one about explaining to your mom that he wasn't going to the casinos all the time. When I was in college, um, I was president of the college's gaming group, which was called GASP. And it stood, initially it stood for Gamers Anonymous of Stevens Point, because at the, the time there was still a, a little bit of social stigma attached to Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games and all of that stuff. Unfortunately, the use of the word anonymous usually conjures up people who have trouble with something, and we started getting calls and emails from people who were looking for help with their gambling addiction. <laughs> and when I would tell people that I belong to GASP, I'm the president of GASP, they assumed that I was a recovering gambling addict or that I was in sociology or social work and I was working with addicts. So we ended up changing the name to Gamers Alliance of Stevens Point <laughs> because we really like the acronym GASP. So we, yes. we do have a member of the audience. Does he have anything to say about this topic? What part? Any of it, your your with your wife, any anything that has to do with. Um, well, first, would you consider yourself a gamer or someone who's in love with a gamer? Uh, I would consider myself probably the gamer. Kind of standing at the microphone here, it's like, hi, my name is Lou. <laughs> no, um, hi, Lou. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've been into video games probably longer than most sitting here. Most, not all, probably. Well, Scott is really old. Yeah, but did you play Pong back in the day? Yes. I played Pong back in the I, day. But like an original like home one? Yeah, yeah. Really? Well, yes. That's surprising. Uh, a 
friend of mine in elementary school uh, was a hockey player and mm. broke his hip as See, a third grader. Better to do. So his parents got him uh, the old Atari 2600. Oh no, I'm talking before the Ataris. They actually the old Pong with the with the paddles. With the, with have, the did you have the actual paddles and you playing ping pong no, with each other? No, it was actually just we like had a, a system yeah. with the spin wheel. Yeah, yeah, you, actually, you turn the wheel funny. to move the, the thing oh, up and down. Yep, we had it's one of those. It's kind of funny because I, I watched the episode of that 70s show. I was thinking the same where thing. Where Red buys the Pong machine and then Kelso's like, this is too easy. In fact, at one point he's reading a comic book and he's playing against Eric. And he's like reading the comic book and Eric's like, oh, you beat me again. He looks up and he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to this, no, I was always a video gamer. I got into role playing around my mid-teens. Um Started off with, you know, like White Wolf and a little bit of early Dungeons and Dragons and then got in with Chad and, and your group as well. And uh, the wife actually, she knew what Dungeons and Dragons was, but really didn't get into it. And then I remember kind of dragging her to one of our summer summer gaming sessions. What was it? Th two years ago, maybe? Yeah. Three, or three. Two or three, yeah. And actually got her to play, and now she's got her own dice, she's got her own books, and I've kind of brought her over, which she'll never get into video games. That's that's just how it is. That's my thing. Pinterest is her thing. And <laughs> that's cool. She's got her iPad, and I've got my gamepad. So we're good to go on that. But, uh, no, it's it's a great way to connect. If there is something, like we do board games as well. Um, I know that one that you didn't mention, but, like, Ticket to Ride. Yep, um, that's that one, one that her and I both would play. King of Tokyo is another one that's very accessible. That's a lot of fun to play, and uh, I'm going to touch base on the one you mentioned. I'm sorry, I'll play the hell out of Skyrim whenever I get a chance. <laughs> Always. <laughs> so, and that's that's what I got. Okay. I'll, I'll turn it over to the rest of the audience. Oh. And now you're just being a smartass. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> All right, so, Samantha, you said you play anime-based role-playing games. Yep. So okay. things like Besom, Big, Big Eye, Small Mouth. mouth. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was thinking. Video games. No, gotcha. No, I don't do the tabletop. Okay. So that's what I was personas? thinking. Yes. Okay. I'm like me personally. I'm not. I'm not way into Persona, but things like Tales of Symphonia, oh, Okami, that's... like yeah. Okay. Okay. Because that that yeah. that reflects your art style as well, people, right? Like, yes, that's my art style. That's I I like that kind of art style. I like those kinds of stories. Yeah. The, so uh, have you ever thought about doing artwork for video games, or have you done artwork for video games? Uh, yes, I have done artwork for video games. I've done sprite work and uh, environmental background work. Okay. What is sprite work? Um, sprite work is um, referring to in visual novels when it's just a single character, or JRPGs would do this too, when it's just a single flat image, like a 2D image standing there, and there's a text box of them talking underneath. I've worked on those little images standing there, and the background behind them as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That sounds like <laughs> um, I did the sprite work, well, assistant sprite work for a company um, that made a visual novel called Pact with a Witch. Um, it's an R18 game. Uh, and then I did a lot of background work for a smaller company that did a video game called Not, uh, Not Another Cinderella Story. It was never actually released, but I really enjoyed working on it, and like they, they were moving towards a demo. Awesome. So, I guess for the girls then, um, what is it, the, the type of gaming that you do, what is it that initially drew you to, in your case, video games, in your case, board games, and, and that kind of stuff? Um, can you just give us a little bit of a idea of what drew you into that? 
Um, I mean, video games are fun. I started back with like Super Mario kind of stuff. Um, JRPGs, again, the, the anime art style, I just like that whole world building thing. Um, I really like when games have like an alchemy or crafting system going on. Um, so like the Atelier Iris kind of series, I guess it's just the Atelier series of JRPGs has like a ton of alchemy building kind of things, and that's something that I really enjoy. Minecraft, again, does a similar thing. Um, so we have a daughter that. that is in the Minecraft. And not so much the, I, I guess there is a game portion to it, but she just wants to sit down and build things. Oh, that's the correct way to play Minecraft. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I'll let her know that. Yeah, my my seven-year-old as well. Though. Yeah, there are different mods that allow you to, like, have different goals, um, but I've never played, like, the story mode or whatever. That's, that's well, she does, the only thing she'll do is she'll be like, I gotta kill some pigs for some money, and I'm yeah. like, whatever, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Literally bringing home the bacon. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, you can sell stuff in, on servers. Or right. Like that, yeah. So what about you, Nikki? What What is it about board games over the RPG? Because in your defense, you have tried RPGing a few times over the years. Yes, I have. And we've come to the conclusion that that doesn't work. So we started playing board games because I never introduced board games to her because I thought, eh, she doesn't like gaming. So, And then I don't even know how it happened. Uh, probably the store. And, uh, I think even a little before the store. Yeah, when we started doing the convention circuit or right. something. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait, you like board games? <laughs> yeah. I do I do enjoy playing things. Um, it's just, uh, like I said, by the time I'm done with work and uh, especially when they were much younger, done dealing with the girls and that kind of stuff, by the time I... I uh, by the time I have time, I want something that's relatively easy and fun, and I don't want to have to deal with a ton of people that are like, that are super super competitive about their games. And so, I really enjoy the the shorter games. I do not have a long attention span. I blame that uh, on. It's hard to get you to even sit down and watch an entire movie. Let alone. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I can do it at a movie theater. I don't do it well at home. I'm always getting up and doing something. Um, but so that I honestly started playing board games because you were playing board games. That was something I could do with you. Um, because if I didn't, I'd never see you. There was, <laughs> when, when we first when, when he first started with the gaming, he was fairly obsessed. Well, when we didn't have kids at the time and. We worked different shifts, and there was, there was a lot of different things that went into that as well. Oh, absolutely. And then the first, you know, even the first couple of years we had the girls, I would, I worked a different, I still worked second shift, and he would work first shift so that we could uh, not have quite as much time at the babysitter. Minimize babysitters. Because <laughs> uh, those are kind of expensive. Um, and so he would bring the baby, he would either bring the baby with him to gaming or a lot of times they'd have gaming at the house so he could get up, take care of her, put her back to bed. Before we had the shop, we, there, there was a local game shop and I get reminded of this every year at Evercon, which is where we are, so that kind of made me think about it is, there was one time I was running a campaign and you had to work on a Saturday. <laughs> so I had both of the girls and we had a toddler at the time and we still had an infant. We had one that was still, you know, like in a, in a carry type thing. And I'm sitting at the game shop with eight guys around the table. I got my toddler on my knee. I got the baby in the, the, the removable car seat. And with my foot, I'm rocking the baby. I'm feeding candy to the kid. <laughs> and I'm running a game. That is something you do once. 
That's right. <laughs> I do not remember you doing that ever again because it was just too much of a pain in the behind. Well, you know, I was giving her candy because I thought it would make her happy. And it did. It did make her happy, but she went insane. <laughs> well, two-year-olds do that. <laughs> when they get too much candy. <laughs> but, all right, I guess this is probably a good place to wrap it up. I think so. All right, so if you want to drop us a line on this episode or any other episode, you can do that real easily. You can reach out to us at uh, what is our what is our what is our email address? Want to hear something interesting at gmail.com, and this is why we have edit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also find us on Facebook at POI Network or at Want to Hear Something Interesting. You can drop us a line there as well. However, there is something new that we're working on, Scott. Want to kind of tell indeed. people about that? Sure. Um, as you know, Chad, because he has copious amounts of free time, is doing several different podcasts all at the same time. And um, he has me as a co-host on this one. He has our good friend Lou, who chimed in from the audience earlier on Musically Challenged. He occasionally brings back whose podcast is it anyway. And what the three of us have decided to do is we have started the Eclectic Media Project. And uh, shortly, time is somewhat fluid at this point in time, but we will be moving our podcast over to EMP and adding a few others along the way. Um, I'll be doing a book podcast, because I'm an English teacher, it's what I do. Um, we'll also be having uh, opportunities on our site for other people to bring us their podcasts, to bring us um, other things. I'm going to be um, editing and running a fan fiction portion of the site. Um, we'll have um, opportunities for guest artists to put some of their stuff up if they're interested. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, each podcast will give you an update on how we're coming along with that and where we're going. And if you don't hear about it, that means we probably gave up. No. <laughs> <laughs> It just means there may have not been any movement in the last month or anything, but I think we'll use this podcast as really the podcast where we're going to um, give those monthly updates. I think so, because things don't really change week to week in this environment, but month to month, we generally get stuff done. Yep. So I want to thank our guests for coming on. Thank you, Samantha. And Nicole, thank you. Finally, first time I've been podcasting for a year and a half. This is the first podcast you've been on. <laughs> You're welcome. So with that, I want to say thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you in March. Adios. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.